everybody and welcome to the first edition of Fan Outlook. This is a look at the wacky world of pro wrestling from a fan's perspective. I'm your host Jake and hopefully you get used to the sweet sound of my voice as you're beginning to be hearing it for a long ass time. That is for damn sure. If you stick around that is, I mean hopefully you do, but you know, I can't force you. If you do though, I damn right appreciate it. Anyway, a brief rundown of myself. I'm 20 years old, I live in Brisbane, Australia and I've been watching pro wrestling for the last 13 or so years. Um, Started in about 2006, uh, my friend came over with a DVD of the 2006 Royal Rumble, I'm pretty sure it was 2006, I could be completely wrong, uh, it was the one that Rey Mysterio won, I just remember being a kid, seeing this little guy that came out number one after being taught the rules of the Rumble, I just didn't buy it, there's no way he's gonna win, and he won it, and well, just unbelievable, you know, but I've been hooked ever since, and uh, it's, it's been a wild ride, that's for damn sure, I love me my pro wrestling, um, anyway, uh, so what you can expect from me, which is honestly not a lot, uh, what you can expect though is five shows a week, airing on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and uh, Sundays, I'm pretty sure. Um, I will range from news and rumors, as well as uh, current and retro reviews, your current shows, Raw, Smackdown, NXT, a bit of AEW, and some New Japan sprinkled here and there, like the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom show, shows anyway. You know, that's uh, something to really get excited for, but... um. Today we'll be covering AEW, I was going to cover NXT as well, but uh, turns out I haven't checked into NXT in uh, you know, uh, quite a few years now, and safe to say I was a bit disappointed when I finally get the chance to say, hey, I'm going to watch NXT for the first time in years, it just so happens that it's a goddamn year-end show, and I'm just like, god damn it, first episode, and I can't even watch NXT, <laughs> but AEW, we're stuck with AEW today, and I really, really enjoyed AEW, I thought it was, um... I thought it was absolutely fantastic, but um, before we get into AEW, I kind of, uh, more than anything, I want to get into the uh, upcoming Wrestle Kingdom show, which I'm super, super excited for, you know, um, two nights, that's just, uh, you know, uh, first time they're doing that, and it's uh, it's just, wow, um, I, I look at night one, and I look at night two, though, like, I'm going to run through night one first, you know, I'm talking the main shows, um, you got Jushin Liger, Fujinami, for God's sake, Tatsumi Fujinami's having a match in Wrestle Kingdom, Great Sasuke, Tiger Mask, uh, Sano, uh, Shinjiro, Otani, uh, Takawa, and uh, Taguchi, you know, um, that's gonna be fun, you know, I, I shouldn't have started with the, you know, the tags, <laughs> you know, the famous New Japan tag, so I'll just skip the lineups and go right into the, uh, you know, official, official matches, you know, you've got, um, Excuse me while this uh, touches the mic. I apologize for the uh, for the inappropriateness. Anyway, um, you got Tangalo and Tamatonga against Juice Robinson and Dave Finley for the tag titles, which most likely would be your run-of-the-mill uh, tag belts. Anyway, um, yeah, um, I think it'll be alright. It's it's just gonna be uh, it's just gonna be a typical Tongans and Juice Robinson Dave Finley match. I'm, I expect it to be a run-of-the-mill match. And you've got. Lance Archer and John Moxley in a Texas death match. Good God for the uh, US title, which uh, could be anything. It could just be a brawl, or it could be some wild, crazy shit. You know, um, it could go either way. But I think that's going to be one of those matches where you're just going to be like, "This is just insane." Kind of similar to when uh, they did the ladder match with Omega, and I'm pretty sure Elgin. I think it was Elgin, either way, I think Omega was in it, but it was just unprecedented in New Japan, and now you've got this Texas Deathmatch, which is just, it's going to be a wowzer, that's for damn sure. 
And then you've got a freaking Will Ospreay against Takahashi for the junior heavyweight title, which, again, you don't even need to say it. It's Ospreay and Takahashi. I mean, Takahashi coming back from a neck injury, um... It's, uh, it's, it's a bit scary, you know, neck injuries and, and they're, they're nothing to laugh about, but I expect Osprey to win, but I, what I do expect is this match to be in the threshold of memorable matches coming out of uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I should probably get into uh, predictions. Um, I think with the uh, Tongans, uh, Juice, and David Finlay match, I'm pretty sure... Um, I think the Tongans are going to win. I don't see Juice and Dave Finley winning. I just don't. I'll, I'd be happy if they did. That's for damn sure. It's just, when I look at uh, Tungaloa and Tamatonga, um, they've basically done everything they can do in New Japan. They're just kind of there, but at the same time, they've got that threshold of this is the dominant tag team, which, um, I don't know. I, th I think they've kind of run their mill. I know they're in the Bullet Club, obviously, but I just, again, you can only do so much in a tag division, and... I don't know how many times they've won it, but it feels like they've been up there since uh, Gallows and... I was about to say, yeah, Gallows and Anderson. I was about to say Gallows and um, and uh, Festus. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't say that. But um, yeah, they've basically been the, the team since Gallows and Anderson left. And it's, that's been years now. That's been, what, four or five years? That's a long time. That's a long time to be one of the dominant tag teams in one specific com company, especially nowadays, because you, you don't have too many you know, long-stay dominant teams anymore. It's just not how it is. And But the question is, uh, even if, if they would go, where would they go? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Maybe, probably WWE. I mean, that's just a logical place to go. Um, Archer and Moxley. Um, hmm. I think Moxley's going to win. I just, it's unfair that he didn't get to, he didn't get to, you know, lose it. He had to vacate it. So, um, I, I picture Moxley winning that. But again, it just seems, yeah. I, I suppose it it it's one of, it's one of the uh, branching matches where that heads into night two. So it'll be interesting. So where do we go with that? I'm picking Moxley mainly. And you got um, yeah, like I said, I think Will Ospreay is going to beat Takashi. Uh, Jay White and Naito, which um, Naito's uh, an interesting one. You know, uh, Naito on his day can be one of the best wrestlers in the world, but then there's that run of the mill Naito that's just kind of there. But we're not going to get that Naito. <laughs> we're going to get New Japan, you know, uh, Wrestle Kingdom Naito. And him against Jay White, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be really, really great. Not, not taking away anything from Jay White. Obviously, uh, he's great too, obviously. But um, Naito, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Naito's going to... Um, he, he's he's going to be on point tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow, sorry, in two days from now. It's, he's, he's just going to be great. And then you got uh, the predictions. Uh, I'll get into these two later on. I'll get into the two main ones later on. And then I'm just going to talk about. And then you've got Okada and Kodo Ibushi. That's um, we're one month into the decade, and we're most likely going to have one of the matches of the decade within the next few days. <laughs> like that is uh, the hype that you can see with these two names. You saw what they did in their run of the mill. You know, holding back G1 match a couple of months ago, back during the G1. That match was so great. And you could clearly tell they were holding back what they can do. Imagine what they're going to do in the main event of a sold-out Tokyo Dome for the most prestigious championship in wrestling. <laughs> like, this could very well be one of the best matches we'll ever see. 
that is the kind of hype that's going into it. I may be overhyping it, but I don't care. I'm so excited for this match. It's it's just going to be absolutely unbelievable. Which, again, this is what gets me into it when you look at Night 2. Right, you've got, you know, uh, I'm going to skip the man's, except for um, uh, Liger and Sano against Riley and Takahashi. That's, um, that's going to be an emotional one. You know, Liger's last match. Oh, man, it's going to be the first time that, you know, this, it's going to be a year without Liger. And it's just, it doesn't seem right, especially in wrestling. It's just every time, Liger's always been around and it's going to suck not to see him anymore. He's getting old, that's for damn sure, but. I wonder if they do a um, a Tiger Mask route where they do another Thunder <laughs> they do another Jushin Liger. I, I doubt it though. That's just, it's, it's probably not going to happen. It's not like it's the identity he is Jushin Liger, but one of the greatest junior heavy, I think he is one of the greatest junior heavyweights of all time and it's going to be his last match and it's going to be damn right emotional that's for sure and it's going to open. Um, I'm glad it's opening. I think it's not like in the middle, locked away after a great match that, you know, everyone, I know New Japan's a bit different, it's not like crowds where they need to calm down or anything like that, but watching it, you need to calm down, that's for damn sure, but, yeah, Liger and, um, Liger, he's had an incredible career, and, uh, I'm glad that this final match is gonna be in somewhere prestigious like the Tokyo Dome, that's for damn sure. He'll lose. <laughs> I think, uh, Takahashi's gonna get the pin on Liger, that's what I see. Um, Moving on, then we got uh, Taiji Shimori again and El Phantasmo against uh, Rapongi 3K, which it's kind of the, um, a few years ago when it was uh, Rapongi 3K and Young Bucks. You know, they get 10, 12 minutes and uh, they'd hit their moves. <laughs> they 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 do the greatest hits and one or the other would win. And that's basically what this match is going to be. It's going to be about 12 minutes. They're going to hit their moves and uh, who's going to win? No, I don't know. And I hate to say I don't care, excuse me, um, it's just a matter of, um, okay, if I'm going to pick who's going to win, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say Rapongi 3K. And you got, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. against Sonata for the uh, British heavyweight title for Red Pro. And, um, that's kind of been the, um, it's kind of replaced the, uh, Ring of Honor championship match that you'd see, like, the last few years. Um, this match is an interesting one. Because this, this is what's going to bring me into my argument, right? Night one, uh, yeah, that this night one is looking to be one of, you know, it, it looks like it's going to tower night two. And a lot of that has to do with Okada and Ibushi. Like, oh man. Having that be the match that you're going to see first up, well not first up obviously, but just having that on night one, it's, oh man, night two, it's just, I could have been something really powerful for night two, not that night two doesn't have anything powerful, but it's like, when it comes to match of the year candidates that you expect from Wrestle Kingdom, I hate that term, but like, it's Wrestle Kingdom, match of the year's come from here, it's just, especially the last few years, most matches of the year come from Wrestle Kingdom, that's just how it be, I think a lot of, um, a lot of, um, pressure is on uh, Sabre Jr. and Sonata to just have this killer match, and uh, they can have it, that's for damn sure, that's for damn sure, but it's it's, it's also just a matter of, are they going to have the time? If they get 20 minutes, which I could argue that's pushing it, if I had to guess, I'd assume they get like 15, which is still a good amount of time, but like, uh, 
yeah, I think a lot. I think there's a, quite a bit of pressure on these to absolutely deliver an absolute banger of a match. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, last year it was uh, Saber Junior and Ishi. I think it was Ishi. I could be completely wrong. Uh, Wrestle. The only thing I remember about Wrestle Kingdom last year was Jericho and Naito and Omega and Tanahashi. Like, man, that was those. Those. Yeah, that's pretty much all I remember from the last years. Anyway. Um, yeah, I just feel like there might be a bit of pressure on that one. And then you've got, um, if I had to pick a winner, obviously, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. I don't see Sonata winning. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Um, to be determined against Juice Robinson uh, for the U- for the US title, um, I think that's going to be Moxley. And um, it's a, this is also a bit of a weird one because if Moxley wins, are you going to have him hold it for a day and then drop it? Um, Maybe he, he just came out of a Texas death match. You expect him to be a little bit weakened from the night before, and I think that's going to tell the story, and I think Juice Robinson is going to get the win. But at the same time, looking back now, is Moxley only going to be available for one day? Is he going to do both shows? Um, that's the main question, but... I could I could see him doing both shows, but that's the point here. The point is, I see... Uh, it closing, I think Juice Robinson is going to win back the U.S. title. I just don't see anything else happening. I just, if you lose a Tex, if you win a Texas Death Match the night before, you're going to have to go through an absolute lot, <laughs> and to come back and defend it again the next day. Yeah, for New Japan, I expect them to apply that logic, and I expect Juice Robinson to win. And we got uh, Kenta versus Goto for the Never Open Way, and um, this um, this, again, this is one of those matches where. It reminds me a lot of Goto and Suzuki a couple of years ago, the hair match they had, where not that a lot of people weren't thinking it was going to be great, but I don't think a lot of people really, uh, were going to assume how great that match actually was, because that, um, that match was so fantastic. Um, look at the matches of the night that night. It was Jericho and Omega, and it was Goto and Suzuki. Uh, I think Goto and Suzuki was my favorite match of that night. And that's just full credit to Goto and Suzuki, obviously. But Goto, you kind of forget sometimes how great he actually is. And if him and Kenta get decent amount of time, I could see I could see this match being the sleeper for match uh, match of the show. You know, I it, Kenta's fantastic. Uh, Goto, yeah, great. Um, again, this is one of those matches where I see a lot of pressure going on to it because like. I think Night One is so superior to Night Two, and that's just another example of it. Then we got uh, the third place battle between, you know, it's either going to be Naito. The options are basically Naito Okada or uh, Naito Ibushi or White Okada White Ibushi, and um, I'll get into that later. <laughs> and then the uh, last uh, match that's officially on the card, as I uh, sit up here, is. Uh, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Chris Jericho, and obviously they're doing the stuff with uh, AEW. Uh, if Hiroshi Tanahashi wins, he uh, gets an AEW Championship match. I think that right there is just adding uh, Mystique to the match. Again, there's no proof that there is a working relationship between uh, Jericho and Tanahashi. It's just, uh, I think it's just logical thinking. Hey, this dude's a champion. Uh, <laughs> it would make sense for me to want the uh, championship match if I beat this person, which is just logical thinking from two very logical wrestlers. Um, I think that right there, um, even though it is kind of mystical, ooh, could it happen? Uh, 
I think that shows that Chris Jericho is going to win. Which is interesting. And I think Jericho does need to win. He's lost He's lost his last matches in in uh, New Japan. He lost against Naito and he lost against uh, Okada. Like, um, yeah, I think uh, Jericho needs a win on Wrestle Kingdom. And who better to beat than freaking Tanahashi. And uh, this match could be very great. Uh, it's not the same, obviously. I think a lot of people were expecting it to be, a, if you had to guess which would be the better match, you'd pick uh, Tanahashi and Jericho. But um, I think it's very similar to Rhodes and Dustin uh, from last year. No one was expecting it to be what it was. <laughs> and it just completely, it completely shocked everyone. But I think this uh, has full potential to be one of the matches of the entire uh, event of Wrestle Kingdom, and um, I don't think many people are thinking it will be, and uh, Jericho is just so great, isn't he? Um, same with Tanahashi, I think Tanahashi is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and that's why I think, uh, so I think it's, I think a lot of people might be sleeping on this match, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And then you got uh, the main events, the, the official main events, which I've been holding off on because it's really hard. To, it's it's really hard to uh, get into these matches uh, predictions because they all ride into different things. They're branching. <laughs> um, so you've got four people. You've got Jay White, Tetsuya Naito, Kazuchika Okada, and Kota Ibushi. You've got Okada versus Ibushi, and you've got Jay White versus Tetsuya Naito. Now. Uh, Jay White and Tetsuya Naito is for the Intercontinental title. If I had to guess who's going to win that one, I'm going to guess Tetsuya Naito. And no disrespect to Jay White. Uh, I wouldn't be upset if he won, obviously. I think he's fantastic. Um, I think Naito, he needs to at least be in the double championship match for um, him saying he wants to be a double champion. He's been saying that for ages now. It would just... I think it'd make... Naito looked like a bit like a fool if he wasn't at least in the uh, final match. So if I had to guess, I think Tetsuya Naito's in there. But then you got Okada and Ibushi. And uh, this is an interesting one. I think a lot of people are hella behind Ibushi right now. But at the same time, I just don't think he needs to win. <laughs> um, if Ibushi does win, he's the only one of the four who hasn't held the IWGP heavyweight title yet. He's the only one. So if he beats Okada, and beating Okada, it's it's a big deal. If you beat Okada for the title, you're a made man. Okada's just the best wrestler in the world, and <laughs> I love him to death. But um, And that's just because he's so great. Beating Okada is a huge deal. If Ibushi wins, yeah, um... He's got to win the whole thing, because why would you have his first ever championship win last for a day? That's just, um, it's not very logical. So if I had to guess what it's going to be, I think Okada will beat Ibushi, and I think it's going to be Okada and Naito in the finals, and I think Okada will, um, I think he will be a W, no, not Okada, I think Naito We'll close out the show being the double champion. I just see it going to Naito. Um, if I had to rank it in order of possibilities, it would be Naito, Ibushi, Ika Okada, and Jay White. 
basically the thing that kind of worries me the most is uh is about a 50-50 chance or is it 25% I don't know there's a likely chance that we might see Naito versus Abushi. I don't want that after everything we've seen out of those two together yeah um I do not want that match in any way whatsoever I'm that match is terrifying. Nobody likes it. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that like it. A lot of people think it's crazy. I personally don't. And uh, I remember a lot of flack uh, they got for it. And as great as they are, and not that the matches aren't bad, they're fantastic. It's just scary. You know, their last match was one of the best matches of the year. But... You don't want to say that because what they did was so bad. <laughs> like with all the um, you know, the, the the basically the story of their matches is, I want I'm going to drop you on your head. Now I'm going to drop you on my head, on your head. Sorry, that would be pretty bad. That'd be a lot worse <laughs> if that was the case. Um, so yeah, that's not good. I'm not going to tell a wrestler what and what not to do. All I can say is what I like and what I don't like. And what I don't like is people constantly falling on their heads. That is terrifying. It is absolutely goddamn terrifying. And I'm surprised that there's very limited injuries in New Japan. That's for damn sure. I know that they have a pretty light schedule. I mean, you are working a lot of dates. But you're in tag matches most of the time where you're on the apron. So it's it's... It's kind of safe, but still, just all those bumps. I mean, Takahashi's very young, and he already got a neck injury, and it's a really bad one as well. He was out for... I don't think he was out for a year, but he was out for months and months, that's for damn sure. And uh, I would hate that to happen to either Ibushi and Naito, because we, we all know how, how absolutely talented they are, but... Um, that's obviously one of the main reasons I don't want Naito and Ibushi to happen. But obviously, um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's a borderlining point. Um, but yeah, so I see I see Naito winning and I see Okada winning because I think it will be a much bigger deal for Naito to defeat Jay White and Ni and Okada. I just think that tells a much better story than it would be Naito <laughs> uh, overthrowing Ibushi's uh, quick title reign. So. Uh, that's what I uh, that's what I see happening. I see uh, in the main event, I see Naito uh, defeating Abushi, not Abushi, Naito defeating Okada in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 14 to win both belts. And overall, like I said, I think Night One is much much more um, definitely a lot. <laughs> it's it's it looks a lot better than Night Two. Not that Night Two looks bad or anything. Like I said, any any card with Okada and Ibushi, I think it's going to, uh, on a main stage, like the Tokyo Dome, it's going to trump everything, <laughs> that is for damn sure, and um, I think that wraps up my uh, thoughts on, um, on on New Japan anyway, I I was looking into news today, because obviously that's what else I'll be covering, and there wasn't really that much that was newsworthy that at least I wanted to cover anyway, um, I don't want to cover news that is very um, upsetting to people, like... Uh, it's like uh, when I was running betas for this, like the uh, excuse me, uh, taking a sip of water, uh, the Jordan Miles incident. I don't really want to cover stuff like that because, again, I'm a white boy in Australia. Like, 
I don't want to cover race issues. It's just stuff like that where I don't feel I'm the right person to be covering it. I'm not the one affected here. Like, um, I didn't want to cover the Lars Sullivan stuff. All of it. All of it. <laughs> I did not want to cover any uh, Lars Sullivan stuff. And like I said, uh, I was thinking about this news while I was running bases because I've done a few practice uh, shows before and I've covered a lot of stuff uh, as news. And basically, I wanted to back away from that. Another one that I really want to back away today from is the Lars Sullivan stuff, especially nowadays with uh, him being in the top films and stuff like that. I'm at the stage where uh, I'd rather not talk about it. So other than that, um, yeah, I think that's really it for news. I think all that's really uh, left to cover is AEW. And uh, quick thoughts of AEW. I thought it was, uh, excuse me, I thought it was uh, fantastic. I thought it was one of the better shows that they've done in a few weeks. Um, obviously, the show that they did last week was a, um, wasn't a show. I, I'm pretty sure it was a, a just a year in show, which is, I'm glad they did, because Christmas and stuff, so, this is the first proper show since the, uh, Dark Order incident, where, um, yeah, uh, I was one of the few people that didn't hate it as much as most people did, but, um, obviously the angle that rumoured to get the bucks off Twitter, <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I feel like they've come back from that, I think everyone's like Dark Order who right now, and I think that is the best thing to go, and, um, yeah, I might as well uh, get into the show here. The show starts off with um, a really, really cool recap. It was, um, it was a recap of uh, last year as well as uh, pretty much the downfall of the Elite because that's one of the main topics. Is uh, I think the one of the biggest arguments of AEW right now is I feel like they're uh, trying to get their talent over at the expense of the Elite when everybody <laughs> wants to see the Elite, you know, prosper. You know, I don't think people are going to get mad if they see, you know, a Kenny Omega in the main events every week. I think they want that. That's the reason they want AEW. And I think they're just worried about getting that uh, Reign of Terror deal that, you know, Triple H got, like, a decade or two ago. And, uh, which is understandable, but I think they're in a different place where people want them to. And I think uh, they're kind of aware of that now. And basically, this uh, promo package here was to, um, to basically just say, we're going to get back to the Elite of old, which uh, basically just become the Elite again. And, uh, Boy, did they tonight. Um, anyway, so, uh, show opened up. It was a new set, I'm pretty sure. They didn't have the two entranceways. I might be wrong on that. I wasn't paying too much attention, but it looked like they only had the one portal instead of the two. They could have stopped that ages ago for all I've, for all I've noticed. Uh, um, first match tonight, it was, uh, Cody versus Darby Allen, and they had a really, really fun match. Uh, Darby Allen reminds me so much of Jeff Hardy, and it's, it's not even funny, uh, not in the, like, the, uh, Jeff Hardy wannabe way, he just, like, possesses that, you know, you know, the it factor you hear people talk about, you know, he's just got something, he's just, this, there's just something about him, you, you want to see him, you know, you could totally see him, you know, becoming world champion, uh, down the line, you know, one of these days, it could be sooner rather than later. Anyway, uh, Cody's out second, and he reveals Arn Anderson as his manager, and, uh, I don't know if this, this is interesting, because I could have sworn that Arn Anderson was already part of All Elite, so I was a bit confused, uh, when, you know, it broke out that he's All Elite, when, uh, I could have sworn he was already there, <laughs> wow, but anyway, it was cool to see him out there, it's, it was interesting, though, because I don't know if Cody needs a manager, I like his uh, entourage thing, though, that he does with, you know, DDP and Brandy and Pharaoh, but 
I don't think uh, we'll be seeing Pharaoh after that pyro incident. That poor, that poor, poor dog. But um, so now with the uh, match, uh, it starts with uh, Cody and Darby getting uh, the one up on each other, and they really they do a really really cool spot where Arn gives Cody advice, but with a bit of paper covering his mouth, so you know like no lip, lip reading, but. I just, it's, it's little things. I love little things so much. I love the little nuances that they do. It's just, oh man, it's just so satisfying to see. Um, so they go back to wrestling. Uh, they fight on the apron for a bit. Then uh, Cody uh, basically uh, eats shit on the on the apron. And it looks so damn painful. I thought he was hurt for real when he was clutching his shoulder. So good job on Cody. Um, so Darby targets Cody's shoulder on the outside. Darby throws him back in the ring, Cody's quick to retaliate and hits a disaster kick while Darby, Darby's getting into the ring, which looked pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Darby's quick to gain, uh, attempts to anyway, gain control of Cody by targeting his shoulder. Cody puts him in the figure four, Darby gets his fingertips on the ropes, uh, Darby now clutching his knees, so we got that, he hits a running drop kick into the turnbuckle for the near fall, uh, he then goes to the top rope. Um, no, he doesn't. He rem he removes the uh, top rope. That's uh, that's part of it. Um, yeah. So he removed the top turnbuckle pad, and the crowd did not like that. <laughs> they really, really didn't like that. But um, he attempts to throw Cody in. Uh, Cody instead just throws him onto the ramp because you know you've got the ramp attached to the ring, which is you know whatever. And uh, Cody, while recovering, uh. Darby just, uh, he uses his advantage, he, uh, he climbs to the top turnbuckle, uh, does a crossbody, Cody rolls through though and hits a snap power slam, uh, back and forth for a while, we see Oz cutters, uh, by Cody, uh, stunner variations from, uh, from, uh, Darby, and, uh, we see, uh, uh, reverse superplexes, uh, code reds, all these, uh, really, really big moves, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was a little bit worried that um, those moves they were during they were uh, during the commercial break because I watch it on uh, the fight so we get the uh, commercial breaks we don't we don't see it they just we just watch it and uh, I really hope those moves weren't during the commercial break because I really hope they didn't kill themselves basically uh, the fight people <laughs> for the fight fans that would have um I would have felt bad for them a little bit um so uh they hit um <laughs> Darby uh. He even hits a, a coffin drop onto Cody on the apron at one point, which was just like, I know he's done it before, but every time you, you don't get used to it. It is so, oh, it is, uh, <laughs> it looks so painful. And uh, yeah, it's just, it it was insane. But um, So he goes for a second stunner. Uh, he's back in the ring at this point, And uh, he goes for a second stunner thing where he flips through and hits a stunner. I don't know what that move is called. I should probably pay attention. Um because I'm so used to watching WWE where they don't tell you the moves, so you don't bother learning them. Like, I keep forgetting that they actually tell you what these moves are. They actually call the moves. That's such a, a mean knock on WWE, but oh well. Uh, he goes for a stunner, and then uh, Cody catches him in a crossroads, and I thought that was it. <laughs> and now Darby kicked out, which was... Uh, I was shocked. I was, I was actually... I was amazed by that. I was shocked. It wasn't like the... It was just... You didn't expect it to happen, and I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Um... So, uh, Cody ends up knocking himself out by running into the exposed turnbuckle, <laughs> and, uh, Darby goes for another coffin drop, Arn gets onto the apron, which I thought, oh, what's, what's happening here? And no, he's just, he just signals Cody to put his knees up, and he did, and he got the win, and, oh, man, again, these little nuances that, uh, 
they're just so little <laughs> and it's it's so good it was it was so clever i love that and it's the best part it's old scores it's probably been done so many times but it hasn't been done in forever and the fact that it hasn't been done in forever it felt so damn refreshing and as a manager actually helping someone to win he's not he's not um, it's a manager not necessarily cheating he's just helping he's just helping his client and that's uh sometimes that's what you mean and uh match was really good i thought the match was amazing it was a great way to start uh the year for AEW. that's for damn sure and then um we got a good old-fashioned throw back to the tna days with a two to back like we just cut straight to the back and when i say tna ironically i think it's even more ironic that it cut to christopher daniels and kazarian <laughs> i thought that was <laughs> I thought that was actually pretty funny and uh so they have an interview and uh sammy guevara uh guevara Guevara? Guevara, a voice. Sammy <laughs> proceeds to interrupt them. He basically calls Christopher Daniels washed up. Daniels challenges him to a match and then he licks um he, he, he well he doesn't lick his phone, but he uh he licks his finger and then rubs his phone and uh yeah, he's uh <laughs> Sammy's not happy about that. So it looks like it's going to be uh uh Christopher Daniels versus Sammy Guevara and it from what I saw on the show, it looks like they're kind of taking the Legend Killer route with Sammy Guevara's. He versed uh, Dustin tonight, which we'll get into later. He's versing Christopher Daniels ne uh, next week. It's like, who else can they have in the face? I mean, there's not too many Legends. Uh, I could totally, he, he might even, he might take out a Legend. Oh, they're doing the uh, Legends uh, of Memphis thing. I don't, that I, that I saw on the show in Memphis um, next week. I don't know if it's televised or not. It could be its own separate deal, but I saw that pop up. We might see Sammy Guevara do a little Legends Killer gimmick that he, that Randy Orton did. So, uh, yeah, I guess that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, like I said, uh, Cody and, and uh, Darby, that was just amazing. I don't know what Darby does after this. I mean, uh, it's not like he's been set up for anything that I recall. Um, I hope they know what they're doing with Darby because I think they've got, really got something special here. We then get a four-way for the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, Riho defends against uh, Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Sheeta. And I do not know Sheeta's first name, and I feel really bad, and I just could not be looking up. But uh, she's, I remember Sheeta. And uh, it's pretty much an average four-way. But I mean that in the nicest way possible, because you really can't go wrong with a four-way. They're always fun, and this definitely wasn't the exception. And... Uh, Story here was mainly Nyla Rose. She played her role perfectly here in the uh, basically the facto giant of the match, uh, and she was a part of it a lot. The story overall in the entire match was we got to get rid of Nia. She we cannot win unless Nia is taken out of the equation, and uh, that was very much the case. And uh, Nyla wasn't making it easy at all. She pretty much remained part of the equation for pretty much majority of the match, and. The three of them continued to try and take her out, but she just, <laughs> she wasn't having anything of it. Um, match began with uh, Nyla taking out Riho and Britt and, uh, uh, with the championship, and uh, it began with Sheeta and Nyla going at it. We then get our usual four-way spots, and then uh, Nyla pulls out a table, <laughs> and eventually uh, Senton's, uh, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure Sheeta threw it, and uh, while she's getting back into the ring, she gets... Uh, foot stomped, diving foot stomped, uh, by Sheeta, and, not Sheeta, sorry, uh, Riho, and, uh, and then she hits another one, and, uh, Nala's just always quick to get it back onto offense, she got back onto offense after the foot stomp, she gets another foot stomp, and she's back onto the offense, uh, 
She hits a uh, she hits Shida with a German suplex, and then Bonnie slams Riho onto Shida. She goes up to hit a double Swanton, but misses. <laughs> she actually had a really comedic sell when uh, she fell and landed on her back. I thought she spiked herself. I was really scared that she might have spiked herself, and she just screams, and I'm like, oh god, that is that is that is amazing. Uh, Shida gets a near fall, and the crowd were kind of sad. I mean, she was um. The, other than Riho, because Riho is just generally over. Everybody loves Riho. Surprising, because we don't know much about Riho, and she's managed to get herself so damn over. It's actually really, really cool. But people actually really wanted Cheetah to win this one, and they were pretty upset when uh, she got the near fall instead of winning. And, uh, yeah, no, nah, it was pretty cool to see that uh, there's more women uh, stars coming, especially because you got Stratlander and Swole coming through, which is exciting, especially Stratlander. I just love me some Stratlander. And, and Big Swole, I thought... I think she had a... I can't remember who she had a debut match against. A uh, Freddie Mercury girl, I forget I forget her name. And uh, I thought that was really fun. Everyone thought I went too long, but I actually thought it was really fun. Um, there was then a roll-up exchange, and uh, Riho retained with a roll-up on, I'm pretty sure, Britt Baker. And, again, it was really fun. And then Nyla Rose uh, attacked Riho. And then uh, got out another table, <laughs> set it up, and then uh, put Riho through the table. She hit a... She hit a splash, and it, it wasn't even like a jumping splash. It was like a yunk, yeet, just fucking jumping on her, and I thought that was pretty funny. And yeah, nah, I, I, I guess we're used to that with Nyla. It's pretty interesting that it was interesting that she got a championship match. She just came back from suspension, a big suspension as well. Not a legit suspension, obviously, but storyline-wise, she she came back from an expen, extent, uh, extension, a suspension with no pay. Storyline no pay during Christmas. That's just that just be sad. <laughs> that poor woman. And she comes back in her first match back as a championship match. Again, I don't watch the AEW Dark. And again, like I said, it's January. So a bit confusing that she gets a championship match. And uh, I could have sworn I can't remember the last time I've seen Britt Baker win a match. Apparently she's seven and four. I do not remember her winning at all. The only matches I've seen her in, she's pretty much lost all of them. So I was a bit confused that she was part of it. So um. Yeah, it's a bit weird, but anyway, um, four ways are very similar to six man. She, you just can't go wrong with them. They're always really fun. And afterwards, we uh, cut to the back with an interview with Joey Janela. But before he could say anything, uh, his face—he's <laughs> about to say something—and his face just kind of cringes up, and you're like, "What the heck is he doing?" And then the camera pans lower, and you just see a hand sticking <laughs> sticking through his uh, legs, and yeah, that was Penelope Ford. She low-blowed uh, Joey Janela and then uh, walked off with Kit Sabian. And uh, I think that's going to be your feud on AEW Dark for a while. <laughs> but yeah, nah, it was it was fine. I mean, yeah, there's not really much to say about it. It's Joey Janela. Most of his stuff is on AEW Dark. Same with Kip Sabian. Penelope Ford, I wish they do more with her other than just be a manager. She is so good. I think it was a couple of weeks ago when she was part of the uh, tag match. She was a manager for Kip Sabian against um, um, uh, Omega and Hangman. And, um, yes, yeah, she did some really cool spots in there where she looked amazing. And I wish uh, we could see some more one-on-one matches with her, but I guess, I guess we'll see. We then get a uh, Dark Order vignette, and... Uh, 
I'll be honest, I wasn't really listening to this, but um, I heard from the, one of the commentators, I think it might have been JL, that they're basically doing a higher power type deal, which is fine, I guess. I mean, now it's fun because we get to play the guessing games, I suppose. Uh, they're really trying with Dark Order, and I can appreciate that. I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I know Vin, uh, the Dark Order, it's just... They haven't gotten off to the best starts in the world, uh, to most people anyway, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I can respect the fact that they're really trying with Dark Order, I, I can actually appreciate that, but um, yeah, like I said, I think it's fun, because now we get to play the guessing game, I mean, I think the obvious choice is Luke Harper, as he's just been released, <laughs> hallelujah, his chains are free, his chains are broken, he is now free, he has escaped to prison, they should have given him the Moxley busting out of jail thing. <laughs> That would have been hilarious. And uh, Luke Harper, yeah, I think he's a solid, he'd be a solid choice for it. At the same time, there's a big part of me that wants Luke, uh, Luke Harper to be a hoss in New Japan. Not that he can't, but I, I'd love that. But the dude's, you know, 40 with a young family. I think he's going to want to spend most of his time in the US. So fair, fair play to him. And I think this role, I think it's perfect for him. Not that he, it's confirmed that it's him, but I think if you're picking... Logic, it's Luke Harper. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Something that I really want them to do, and I know it would be incredibly underwhelming and it might frustrate a lot of people, but I feel for the long run it might be better this way. But I want the, uh, I want this quote unquote higher power, I forget what they call it, I apologize, to be, um, uh, I want it to be Brandy and have, uh, I think it's the Nightmare Collective. And have them form into one mega faction because I think it just works out better that way, you know. Uh, like it's cool to have multiple factions. Like I love that. I love New Japan. The thing that makes uh, New Japan's factions so great is every faction's different, you know. Uh, <laughs> whereas um, the Nightmare Collective and uh, <laughs> the Dark Order, they're, they're just, they've got the same vibe. They're not the same, but they've got the same vibe. And I don't think you should have the same vibe. Like, even then, you had the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny, and that's pretty dark as well. Like, I think they should just form one collective unit. I think that, that would be... I think that would work out for the better. I know if, if it was to be Brandy, that would be most likely to uh, emulate the higher power storyline in that it's underwhelming as heck. Like, but I just feel... It would work out better for the future if you just have them form into one mega... One mega faction. I, just, I don't know. I think, but if you had to pick or put money, I'd probably put money on Luke Harper. You could even have the Ascension show up. I mean, I mean, the Dark Order is basically rejects. <laughs> that are rejects, and uh, the Ascension. I don't think you can pick better rejects than uh, than the Ascension, and I feel like they'd fit perfectly in the in the Dark Order. So I don't know. I suppose if you had to, if, yeah, like I said, if you put money on it, I think I would personally go with Luke Harper. So next up, we have uh, John Moxley versus Trent, and uh, it was good. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd argue that it was pretty run on the mill, but at the same time, not everything can steal the show. And what was coming to the main event, I'm kind of glad. <laughs> um, this was good. I, I I would say it was a great match. So it started with the two exchanging holds. Uh, Trent then slaps Mox, uh, Moxley gets mad, they have a strike exchange, and then Moxley gets the better of Trent, puts him in our uh, holds, I think he got him in like a single leg Boston Crab that was kind of like modified, 
Um, he then hit a uh, super place <laughs> for the new near fall, which was interesting. Uh, Trent tried to fight back, but he got thrown out of the ring. Trent gets back in, but then gets thrown out again. And I kind of wish they just kept doing that. You just get throwing him out, you get coming back in. You him out again, you get coming back in. Like, you got Orange Ca It's a group with Orange Cassidy and, and, and Chucky. It's like, yeah, you can get away with that. I wish they kind of did that. It would have been really funny. Um, anyway, so they're fighting on the outside. Uh, I think John threw uh, yeah, Trent into the barricade, and uh, Trent rebounded off a barricade. A barricade, not the ropes, a barricade, and hit him with a spear. That was interesting. Uh, so we're back in the ring now, and uh, Trent hits uh, Moxley with a superplex, and Moxley falls out, uh, rolls out the ring. Uh, Trent hits a really, really cool dive on the outside. Uh, it looked really, really nice, so... Hits the dive, they get back in, Trent hits a really cool uh, Tornado DDT, uh, they're back and forth for a bit, Moxley hits a f uh, knee and then a face buster for the near fall, Trent hits a very, very vicious uh, clothesline for the two count, I think it was like a haymaker clothesline, Orange Cassidy then enters the ring, but obviously to a huge pop, it's Orange Cassidy for God's sakes, uh, John Moxley notices, uh, Orange Cassidy does his deal where he puts his hands in his pockets, I'm doing the actions even though none of you can see. And uh, John retaliates by doing the same and the crowd popped and uh, Trent took advantage of Moxley's distraction and nailed him with a pile driver. Pile driver? Pile driver. He went for the cover but Moxley kicked out. Uh, Moxley on the ramp now, Trent goes for another dive but gets caught with a paradigm shift onto the ramp which looked devastating. Moxley uh, throws him back into the ring and hits a high-angled paradigm shift that he does for the win. And yeah, I thought that was uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, we're in post-match now. Uh, Sammy Guevara walks through the crowd with a microphone. Uh, he's talking to John. He says he doesn't want to fight John, but he has a surprise for him. And the surprise was they uh, they cut to a screen with uh, Jericho standing outside. Um, Jericho basically just offers Moxley leadership of the Inner Circle to co-lead with Jericho. He offered him 49% of Inner Circle LLC and a really, really sweet car with a custom license plate. I think they said it was a Ford GT. I don't know. I don't know my cars. Uh, Jericho then says the world could be ours. All you got to do is say yes and then drives off. Moxley, uh, once Jericho leaves, Moxley speaks. He says he considers Jericho a friend and a mentor, thus he will give the answer to him next week in person. The crowd were not happy with that one, but as that's fair enough. Uh, overall, I thought this was great. I thought it was really good. Anything that involves uh, either John Moxley or Jericho or Cody, you know, it's it's always brilliant. And uh, the inner fan of me really wants uh, Moxley to do the... Uh, then for them to do the uh, DDP and the NWO segment where he puts on a shirt... Uh, where he puts on the Inner Circle shirt and then hits Jericho with a Paradigm Shift while no one was looking and then run through the crowd. Like, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but I guess we'll see what happens next week. But um, I just, what I don't want them to do more than anything is I don't want them to do the uh, the typical thing where they join the faction, but, you know, they want to tear him apart from the inside, you know. Uh, you know, Inner Damage, and which they, they've done quite a lot. Not AEW, but wrestling as a whole. I think that's played out. If they do, I just hope they do something interesting. And it's 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 Jericho. You know, he's not gonna have anything evolve his character. His character will him that he thinks is absolutely terrible. But yeah, I thought this was 
uh, pretty exciting, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing what happens next week. They cut back to uh, Sammy in the ring, uh, Sammy Guevara, and he does the uh, card gimmick they did a few weeks ago during commercial breaks. They got little the uh, second screen during the commercial break, so if some people watch it, you can see it through there. And uh, I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was paying too much attention to what the card said. All I saw was about him breaking Dustin's arm and saying he might break his hand, he might break his foot, who knows, I guess we'll see. And uh, then Dustin's back from break now, Dustin's music hits. He comes in from behind where uh, Sammy doesn't notice him. He he beats on Sammy for a while and I was shook to hear when the commentator said that uh, Dustin's 6'6". <laughs> I never bothered to figure out what his height was. And it could be exaggerated a little bit, but... I don't think it is. I mean, if he's six foot, that's, that's damn. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. Anyway, um, Hager walks out, and uh, JR has the burning line of the night, saying, I would say Boomer sooner, but he doesn't deserve it. Like, damn, JR, way to take it too far. That's just, that's just hurtful. <laughs> uh, so they're on the outside now. Uh, Dustin hits a scoop slam onto Sammy. Dustin leaps. Uh, leans his focus towards Hager, becomes distracted, Sammy takes full advantage of Dustin, this pretty much becomes the stories, the story of the match, it's just Sammy taking advantage of distractions, and uh, so uh, Sammy kind of gets the heat a little bit, uh, Dustin gets, uh, comes out of that, and he grabs a chair, he's going to hit Sammy with it, but the ref, the ref stops him, uh, Sammy takes advantage of that as well, takes out Dustin, that is definitely, it is definitely the common theme of this match, uh, Sammy goes for a shooting star press, but rolls through as Dustin got out of the way. Scoop slam by Dustin into a comeback. He hits a, an interesting looking spine buster for the near fall, and uh, they said they were paying homage to Arn Anderson, who's part of the Nightmare, <laughs> uh, the Nightmare family now, which is fine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he hit the spine buster, and then they, uh, they're, they're fighting uh, on the apron. Oh, before that, uh, Sammy hits a shooting, uh, running shooting star, but yeah, they're fighting on the apron. And Dustin, <laughs> Dustin, not Sammy, but Dustin, it's a Canadian destroyer onto the apron. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It was insane. Don't look at me thinking, and like, not because of the Canadian destroyer, obviously, but just how great Dustin, he, he, he just continues to be great. Like, you see how, you saw how great he was in the 90s and even in the 2000s. You, you knew he was great, maybe not in the 2000s. I think he was kind of struggling in the 2000s with weight and drugs and stuff. But, yeah, uh, he's only gotten better. Like, he's, I know it's cliche, but, yeah, he's, it's like a fine line. He just gets better with age. Like, to think how good he was then, I honestly think he's, he, he's, he's better now. Like, I think he's better than what he was in his quote-unquote prime. But, like, yeah, obviously not because of Canadian story. It just got me thinking like that. So he then, uh, he, he attempts to do a Shattered Dreams where he wedges Sammy in the corner, but before he spanks Sammy and wedges him first, uh, well, that was that was fun. But, uh, he goes for the uh, Shattered Dreams, but the ref stops him. But the ref's helping Sammy out the corner. Hager hits the ring and uh, uh, nails Dustin with a low blow. Sammy gets the pin and wins. This was uh, cool. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, this is when it made me start to think that uh, they might be doing the uh, Legend Killer deal with Sammy because he's first in Christopher Daniels next week. So <laughs> to go from one legend to another, that's that's interesting. This is when I started to get uh, frustrated. 
Uh, tonight, where uh, they cut to a private party segment in a bar, and I don't know if this was just a fight feed. Like I said, I watch it through. I've watched it through fight. Apparently, watching it through fight and watching it through TNT are two completely different things. Like we can see commercials, so uh, they cut to a private party segment. Uh, they're in a bar, and uh, this is where the issues came in, audio wise. I haven't had too many audio problems with AW like most people have, but this is where it really came in and it started getting really frustrating. Where um, I couldn't hear a word anyone was saying. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> I, just, I could only just see, okay, and <laughs> Hangman looks mad, that's about it. I couldn't, I understood nothing, and then they popped up. It's Hangman and Kenny Omega against Private Party next week, and it was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is annoying, but oh well. <laughs> Uh, so after that, MJF comes out, and boy, this was a fun commercial break, that's for damn sure. Uh, MJF is a superstar. <laughs> um, this was shown during the commercial break, and he's just walking around, and he's getting women to kiss him. You know, kiss his ring, kiss him on the lips, kiss him on the cheek, all this all this stuff. And I thought the first one, um, he might have been a plant, but then he kept going and going, and all I can hope is that the woman here that he was kissing were, you know, above age, because Jesus Christ. But yeah, the dude's in his early 20s, but you can clearly tell he just gets it. I don't know if it comes from a fan, but, like, you just look, and it's like, he rarely does wrong. I can't think of something that he's done wrong. He is so good at what he does. So, we're back from the break now, so, uh, he does his usual trash in the crowd. I know that sounds cliche after just, you know, talking him up, but... You know, it's, it's still entertaining. Uh, trashes the fans, trashes Cody, but then he gives the uh, stipulation. So I think it's going to be a revolution. I think I think it's called revolution, and he gets the three stipulations. So um, the first stipulation is he cannot lay a hand on MJF until re revolution. Stipulation number two is he has to defeat Wardlow in a steel cage match, which is which is fine. And uh, stip three, which he delivered so perfectly. Just in front of God, like dance, <laughs> is he wants Cody to get on his knees and take ten whips by him to his back. And uh, I thought he might have said something ridiculous, like, you have to kiss my ring. And I'm so glad they did not do that, but this was awesome, MJF is awesome, and I just cannot wait. I just want to apologize for the uh, lack of audio the last five minutes. I did not realize that uh, my headset was, uh, I forgot, I didn't realize my microphone was so far away from me, and I'd like to apologize for that. Anyway, uh, they do a, I hope it wasn't too inconvenient, like you couldn't hear me at all, because I'm going to have to listen back eventually, and we'll find out. So uh, they do a backstage stuff with, uh, they do some backstage stuff, and I, I'm flustered because, again, I was frustrated because, uh, they did the stuff with Jurassic Park that was fine. It was basically Marco being annoying, but in the fun way. But then there was the Riho segment, which again, I couldn't understand a word of. Then all of a sudden, Britt Baker showed up. Couldn't understand what she was saying either. And uh, she just looked angry and walked off. And uh, it was quick, but it was... <laughs> I'm just glad it was quick, because... Yeah, I would have been a lot more annoyed otherwise. Um... We then have uh, Hangman Page come out for commentary for the main event, which would be the Elite uh, versus Pac and Lucha Brothers, which, where the heck do you start with this match? Because uh, it was great. One of the funnest TV matches I've seen in quite a while. I haven't seen too many TV matches for m most things, but still, it was really fun. Uh, 
much started with uh, Kenny and Penta, I'm pretty sure, and uh, it starts getting really, really good, but it got incredible when uh, Nick and Phoenix tagged in, and they were they were doing this incredible exchange. It was unbelievable. Uh, Phoenix wants a handshake, but gets super kicked by Nick. That's when it kind of felt like uh, they were kind of getting to the Bucks of old, and then the Elite did a triple team. The audience were incredibly behind uh, the Elite here. Uh, the pack hit a really nice Spaceman Plancha onto Omega. The Bucks hit a tandem Canadian Destroyer on the Lucha Bros. This is awesome chance. Uh, Omega and uh, Pac, they fight in a ring. Omega gives Pac uh, uh, the first shot, but Omega strikes harder. They do a strike exchange. Pac hits a uh, snap German, but <laughs> Omega retaliates by hitting a knee trigger. Another snap tra dra uh, German of his own. I was going to say Snapdragon, but it was a German of his own, and hits Pac with a sit-out powerbomb, but the pin is broken up by Penta. Penta hits uh, Backstabber onto Omega, but holds it for Phoenix, so he can hit a diving foot stomp. Uh, Phoenix then hit a double cutter on the box, which just looked awesome. Uh, then I proceeded to lose track with the amount of moves because it was all happening so fast, but I caught up when Pack he hit a black arrow, but the pin it was on Omega, but the pin was broken up by the box. Uh, Pack locked in the Brutalizer, but the Lucha Bros were holding the box back. Matt Matt Jackson broke away and hit a blindside super kick on Pack, taking him out for the match. Um, the Bucks then nail Penta with a double super kick. Omega goes for, I'm pretty sure, not Omega, Phoenix goes for, I'm pretty sure, a springboard dive. But Omega gets an OMG knee trigger, which just looked incredible. Then hit the one-winged one angel to get the win, and <laughs> this was so fun. I enjoyed the heck out of this match, and... I really did feel like, you know, the Omega and the Bucks of old were here. Like, it was just brilliant. Uh, they celebrate. Cody comes out to join them. They invite Hangman, who just left commentary, but he declines and walks to the back. Uh, they end the show with the Elite celebrating. And nice way to start the year, that's for damn sure. Overall, I, I thought the uh, the show was... <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Uh I really, really enjoyed this match. Uh, match. I really enjoyed this show, and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, and I, I hope you enjoyed this as well. I want to thank you very much for listening. This is where we'll be wrapping it up. Uh, we'll be back on Saturday slash Sunday, depending where you are. I'll be reviewing SmackDown, uh, the first SmackDown I'll have watched in years. I want to say like 2017. So that should be fun, but in the meantime, I want to thank you all for listening, and uh, take care, and I'll catch you people next time.